0: Open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. So, the book of Jonah. I am going to break this down and make application for the life of Jonah because a lot of these passages, like this, we, we have in our minds, we think of the Bible story we heard when we were kids and on nursery walls and, and seeing this image of the big whale and Jonah. Well, there's a lot more to Jonah's life than the fact that he got swallowed by a whale. There's a lot of application. And, and there's a lot of things about him that I'm thinking, man, I'm, I, I'm a lot like Jonah. His, his attitude, the things that he did, how he responded, it's a lot like us. I want to hit one today because a lot of times when we hit on issues that we need to conquer or address, we think of, man, don't do drugs and stay away from this and that. And, and rather than, okay, there's a lot of things that are going on right here. People that love God go to church, have issues, and struggle with what Jonah struggled with. When I was a kid, I grew up in Alabama. And I know there's all sorts of redneck jokes that I could hear and and throw back out at you guys, but I I did. I I grew up in Alabama, and uh, we, we went through seasons that was tornado seasons. And, and they were they were the real deal. It wasn't like you see on TV with the storm chasers and all this. This is where a bunch of rednecks running from it, not running to it. And uh, I, I remember when I was a kid, I, I got a a, a a real fear of tornadoes. When you've been through them, when you've seen them, when they've affected you, it, it, will, it will scare you. And I remember when I was a kid, we had a tornado coming through and the warning was there. You know, you hear it so many times that a lot of times you're thinking, well, that won't affect us, or it will pass by, or won't actually touch, touch down, and things like that, and we were, oh, man, alive. I can't say this without sounding like a redneck. <laughs> we were in my grandpa's chicken farm, okay? <laughs> I don't know. We were in the chicken farm. All right, and uh, and we had to go and put the curtains down because he had a couple hundred thousand chickens. It was a laying farm of uh, uh, chickens, and that's where you people get your eggs. And, and I mean, it was due to heroes like us growing up. And, and we were doing this job, and we were in the chicken farm, and we were standing at the door, and the wind was picking up and blowing things around so much that you, you could barely see across the yard. And we're standing there, and my grandpa's like, you kids need to get away from the door. They said there a tornado could touch and We're like, Grandpa, we think we see a tornado. And he said, you kids need to get away. There's no tornado. And no joke, we said, Grandpa, the barn is being blown away. And he jumped away from that thing that he was doing. He walked over there. And we watched the entire barn of my grandpa get sucked up in a tor- tornado and slung over a mile away from that house. And we, uh, we picked it up all over the place. It affected me. It scared me. I mean, really bad scared me. And I remember uh, a few years later, we were we were at home and we were getting ready to go out. And we lived in uh, this little small hick area, and and uh, we were we were going to town because it was thirty minutes away. And we were driving there, and as we were driving there, they had uh, like rescue vehicles on the road with their megaphones and speaking over their loudspeakers: "Go back to your houses, seek shelter. Tornadoes are everywhere. All this other stuff." My dad said, Oh, we, we better go back. So we went back and we went over the hill where my, my parents' house was. We looked up. There's a funnel cloud going right over our house and over that. And my dad kicked it in the gear. We were in this big Econo van and uh, we're, we're driving. And my dad decides not to go through the driveway. He decides to go through the yard after it's been raining all day. We're trying to get to the tornado shelter and we're spinning out in the yard. We were going to die before I was more afraid than my dad that, that, than the tornado at that point. And uh, trying, to, trying to get to that point of being rescued in there and, and crawling down in there and watching the funnel cloud go over us. But I tell you, it got to the point where when they would say tornado was coming or chance of tornado or whatever, I was, I was scared. I remember it coming on TV. I would I would run and hide, and I would find places, and I wanted to know where it was safe. And I remember my mom saying, "You can't stay under the coffee table. You're 18. This has got to stop." You know, <laughs> but it was just it, it it affected me in a big way. See, the thing is, we fear things that we don't understand, and we fear things that we cannot control. I'm not talking about the fear of, oh, I, I, I'm i afraid it's going to rain this weekend because we're going camping. I, I'm, t- I'm talking about that fear that grips your heart and controls you. It, it, it gets into your mind, that fear of losing your job or that fear of starting a job and not being able to handle it. The fear of losing someone you love because they, you know that they're sick or being there holding your spouse's hand and they get a report. This could be whatever and all of a sudden, it's, it's not just a, a head thing. It comes over you. I mean, I, mind, body, you know, you're, you're, you're just, it makes you sick. It controls you. It's, it, there's a, hey, mom and dad, there's a fear when, when your kids are, are driving off to college or they're getting on that plane because they've been called to serve our, our nation and they're going overseas, but I need to stop and I need to give you a verse. And it's not in Jonah, but we're going to start and stop with this verse. It's in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. It doesn't say God has not given us fear, but it talks about a spirit of fear. It's talking about a presence or a mindset, a spiritual mental warfare that goes in and consumes us. And that's not something you just turn off and on. This is the type of thing that will keep you up at night. It's the type of thing when you go out to your car and you sit in your car and you're driving home. And all of a sudden you're home in in just a second because your mind has been thinking about that situation the entire time. So when you go in the church and everybody is singing and praising God and you're kind of zoning out. Because all you can do is think about that thing. And it changes your outlook because the thing is fear has power. And fear will affect us. And fear will hold you back. Fear will even change your direction. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. I'm doing this because I want you guys to know I am Jonah. I am this guy. If you're going to be honest, you are too. You know what I'd rather do? Last Sunday night I preached on David facing Goliath. You know what David did? David got out there. All the other guys were chickens. There was a thousand men all their armor and everything. David goes out there as a young boy. He grabs five rocks and a sling. And the Bible says that he ran to Goliath. I don't know about you. I want to be known as that dude. But you know what? The truth of the matter is we're more like Jonah. Where Here's the battle and we're like, okay, you know. I don't want that. I can't handle that. That's bigger than me. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. Let's pray. Lord, as we, as we get into this, as we start this today, Lord, I'm praying for victory. Right now, I'm praying for victory. I'm praying that we can get through this message of this chapter And Lord, that you will speak to our hearts and realize that maybe where we're at right now or what we're doing, we're in that spot because of fear. Because Lord, to be honest, a lot of times in my life, I am afraid. I'm afraid of what could be. I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to let down my wife. I'm afraid to let down my church. I'm afraid, Lord, that I won't be able to do the task that you've given me. And Lord, if, if I'm being honest, sometimes I don't go forward with the things you've called me to do because I'm too afraid of what you've called me to do. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that I, with my brothers and sisters in Christ here today, I pray that we'll all be convicted of this and understand that you, as our God, have not given us a spirit of fear. Lord, help us to seek out victory today as we study your word. In your name we pray. Amen. A lot of things are going on in this passage. Jonah is a man of God. Jonah is a prophet of God. Jonah is a messenger of God. And that's what the, the, the prophets did. And that's what God was calling him to do. He said, Jonah, I have these people over here. And these people are bad, I know. But that's what I do is I change bad people. And I need you as a vessel, as a messenger, to go give them that message. That's what I need you to do. But there's, there's a lot going on in this thing, because if you notice, a lot of prophets in the Bible, when they were called to do something, God would call them to speak to their people. So it's kind of like if, if God, I'm in my office and, and God speaks to my heart and says, Tony, I want you to get up and I want you to preach about fear and I want you to preach about overcoming fear. And I'm like, OK, God, I'll be bold and I'll come out of here and I'll do it. So I go before a Fellowship Baptist Church and I take the word of God and I preach and I share what God has given me through his word to you. But what if I'm in my office and God says, Tony, I want you to preach this message. It's a message about sin and repentance and murder. I want you, I want you to preach a message that tells them that they're on their way to hell without Jesus Christ and all this. And I'm like, All right, Lord. Oh, and by the way, this time it's not at fellowship. I've got a plane ticket for you and I'm going to take you to the middle of the ISIS camp. And you're going to walk into the middle of them and you're going to go before their leaders and you're going to tell them that they're wicked sinners on their way to hell. But you'll be okay. See, you can judge Jonah all you want, but that's what's going on here. The Bible says that great city, the wickedness of the people, their reputation is they weren't just bad they were wicked they would take their enemies and i'm not trying to be gross but this is the stuff that's going on with them just to prove a point of how bad they were they would skin their enemies alive they they would torture their enemies and they would do all this wicked stuff and i heard all this and i thought man i can't tell all this story if if this was if i was youth pastor still and preaching to teen boys they'd be like yeah bring it on baby But I figured out a long time ago, preaching to adults, they don't find those things as cool as what I used to preach. So let's just say that they were very wicked and he had really good reasons for not wanting to be there. The Bible says it wasn't just a wicked city. The Bible says it was a great city. The great city meaning that it had walls. It was estimated that it was 11 miles deep, 18 miles wide. It had an estimated of 1500 towers and through the Bible it gives us little descriptions about Nineveh and things about them. They were a powerhouse. They were wicked on the inside and they, nobody could take them down or overcome them. They were his his people. It was one of their greatest nemesis, one of their greatest enemies. And so God's saying, hey, I got a plan. I want you to go take them down. But see, the thing is, it wasn't, the story wasn't about the circumstances. It was about the mission that God had for him to do. God had a plan to change that wicked city. God had a plan to change them and transform them. And God loves doing that, of stepping into the most wicked, vile situations to show that God can bring healing and help and change to those. God's power is not so it's not limited to save or transform anybody. That, that is why I love stepping into the abortion clinics. That's why we have Broad Street mission. That's why we go to these jails and these prison ministries. That's why we do what we do, Kim. That's why we do what we do. Because God has not given up on them. And we can say amen from the chair and amen from the church, but God says they're not going to know unless you go. And that's where we squirm. And we can complain all day long and say, God, we need revival. God, we need a change. God, we need anointing. God, we need this. And God says, well, then I need you to get up and I need you to trust me. So here's, here's what happens. Jonah one three. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish unto the presence, from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. If you notice, the Bible says that he, Jonah got up, got up, and he made a decision. Because when God speaks to us, we, we have a decision. We can either go in the direction that he's called us, or we can run from it. And obviously, in this passage, he ran from this. If you look forward in chapter 4, verse 2, you get a glimpse. And I'm not saying that Jonah was not afraid of just the fact that they were wicked and they were strong and they had a reputation and he was alone and all those things. It went deeper than that. Jonah was afraid that God was going to forgive them. It was. In his carnal mind, he was like, Lord, I knew you were going to do this. And even more than that, Jonah was afraid of the fact that God was going to forgive their wickedness and the fact that if they were out of line, that God was going to use them and their wickedness to put them in the right place. Jonah didn't want any of that. Why is that? Why did he do this? Because he was afraid. Every one of these situations, he was afraid to face them. He was afraid God would forgive them. He was afraid that the enemy would come back on them. He was afraid. And I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. But I tell you, God is not the author of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I, you can sit there and say, all right, God's not calling me to Nineveh, but I promise you this these points apply to all of us. Notice what fear does. Number one, fear turns us in the wrong direction, it's human nature. Whatever it was when we were driving in the town, there's tornadoes this way. All right, we're going this way. I mean, that's not a, you you watch a scary movie. If, If the bad guy's coming this way, I'm going this way. It's human nature. We run in fear. We run the opposite direction. It's in our human nature. If I hear something scary in the woods, I'm going this way. I don't want to face it. We run because I'm thinking I can't fix this. But the truth of the matter is like I was open up. Fear messes with our minds. When, when, when your kids are late coming home, you're thinking the worst. They're, they're in a ditch. They're dead. They're crying out. They're sitting there saying, Mommy, please help me. And just our minds are going. We're terrified. I'm, I'm thinking the worst about if, I, if, I, if my elbow hurts. You know, you know what you do? I bet you it's cancer. I know. My mom, my dad, my grandpa, whatever. We, we're, our minds race. And I tell you, one of the best weapons the devil has on us is our minds. To get in your head and to make you to think the worst. If you think about that verse, God has not given us a spirit of fear, then where does it come from? You thought about that? You're sitting there and you're afraid of, for your kids and you're afraid of moving and you're afraid of what's... And, and, and I, I hear things all the time, I talk to you guys, and I know we're all in it. If I buy this house, is it going to be okay? If I start this job, is it going to be okay? If I lose my job, is it going to be okay? If my kids go off to that school, whatever it is, is it going to be okay? It's it's not just physical running like like Jonah was dealing with. Sometimes we run from our marriage because we can't fix it. We run from a burden that God has placed on our hearts because we don't know if we can handle it. John Sullivan had a great testimony last week. It's before we ordain him. And he got up and he talked about when he was younger and feeling that tug and that struggle that he had. And we all have that struggle. Can I do this? I'm afraid that I can't. Notice verse three, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish and he paid the fare of. And I want you guys to notice some things that it says down in this passage and and just read along with me. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof and went down into the ship. Or went down into it to go into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse 5. But Jonah was going down into the sides of the ship and lay. And he was fast asleep. Do you guys notice the progression here? And and I know you're just saying you're reading into it. But look, look what it's saying. He went down. He went down. And at the bottom of the ship is where we find him at the end of this. When you turn your back on God, when you step out of church or step out of the things that God has from you, step from the presence of God or you think you are, we're going to soon see that he did not leave the presence of the Lord. But I'm thinking, man, if, if I don't want that conviction anymore about serving God or giving or going or whatever it is, honey, we just won't go to church. I promise you, God doesn't have a bedroom in the back of this church. God God doesn't hang out just at the the altar of our church. He is there when you reject him. He's there with you in the car, and he'll be there when you're skipping church and you're sitting on the lake. And it's not a good place to be. Down, down, down. You say, well, he can't go any lower. Well, you guys know the story. God proves him wrong on that. The second thing we see is fear takes us down the wrong path. It not only turns us, but it takes us down the wrong path. He found a ship. Let me tell you guys, Satan has an agenda with everything that he does. It's, it's not just that Satan was saying, well, I don't want him going to Tarsus." As soon as you bail on God's plan, Satan introduces a whole new plan. And, and it's, not, it's not a great plan and it's not for you. It's It's not just to get you out of church. It's to mess with you. It's to mess with your kids. And it's to mess with your marriage. It's not just about you getting upset with your parents and being afraid to deal with it or afraid to talk to them. It's a, it's a, there's a whole agenda behind it planned. But the thing is he found a ship and, and, and in his carnal mind, he's probably thinking, oh man, look at God's looking out for me. Uh, look at, I I've got a way to get out of this. And there will always Satan will always present that way of escape there's always that exit plan that he'll put in your path things are looking up he's thinking and the Bible even says in that verse five that he went down to the bottom and he fell asleep but let me tell you and let me tell Jonah you might run from God and you might find that way of escape but let me tell you it is temporary some of us, we, we get consumed with a fear or frustration or a problem, and it's coming down on us, and we're that. And they'll say, well, I just went drinking with my friends because I needed an outlet. Or I'm not making a habit out of this. Or it was just that one time, or I, I took that drug, or I went to that place, or I was flirting with that girl because she understands me and my wife doesn't. Satan will always provide that ship of escape for you. Well, let me tell you, it's not all it's cracked up to be. He got down in there and he got comfortable and he got situated, but it was very temporary. What is your escape? What is it when you're fearful and you start running from God and you get away from God and you turn your back on God, what do you turn to? What, do you, what, what, what distracts you? What pulls you there? Satan will set you up with that. The thing you have to understand through all of this As we serve an amazing God that loves you in spite of all these things. What you're about to read, and I've got to lay this out because a lot of Christians have this wrong thing. Why God doesn't care about me? Maybe some things that happen in your life that are uncomfortable is because God does care about you. And And I know it's going to get really quiet on this part of it. God cares about you. God cares about that escape that you're getting on, that boat that you're jumping on, thinking, oh, this is going to solve my problems, or this is going to make me feel better, or this is going to get me away from what I can't fix. God cares when you go down the wrong path, and God will step in. Thank Jesus. Verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Who sent out the great wind. It was God. It was God. See, God has a way of disturbing our escape plan. God has a way of putting storms in your life. I know you say. Man, storms come when, I, when I'm serving God and doing right and right. Storms are part of life. We live in a cursed world. Problems are going to come. The economy is going to struggle. Jobs are going to have to lay off people. Sickness is going to come into your life. Yes, storms come. But have you ever thought that sometimes the storm that you're dealing with, with in your life was self-inflicted? It is, you're sitting there going, God, why? And God says, why did you do what you did? Why did I have to step into your life? Why did you reject me? Why did you trust me? See, the ship was likened to be broken. There was no peace in the situation. There will never be peace in your situation when you run from God. When you step away from what God has from you and you're sitting there saying, my life is a mess and it's falling apart and ah, oh, like yes. That's what happens when you run or you think you're running from the presence of God. There will be no peace outside of Christ in your life. He's not the only the giver of peace. He is the author of peace. And there's no greater peace than being where God wants you to be. When you get off his plan things will fall apart. The, ship, the Bible says that the ship was likened to be broken. Maybe you're in that spot and you're saying, man, God, I, I, you had me on a path and I was serving you, but I was afraid of letting people down or I was upset or ah, all these different things. And you get off over here and you say, my life is falling apart. Have you ever thought maybe that's God trying to get your attention? Maybe it's God and his great love and his great mercy going after you. Verse five, Afraid, and they cried every man unto his God, little g o d, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship in the sea to lighten them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. You know what's sad about this? Is all those men that were with Jonah were in a mess too. All of those men had their life, their ship, their things being tossed overboard. One by one, all the things that they relied on for their life was going overboard. One by one, the thing, the ship that they made their money was crashing. One by one, they're crying out to a God that cannot save them. You know what the crazy thing is? The messenger of God, the, the, the prophet of God is laying in the belly of the ship doing nothing about their problems. Do you know why it's important that we face our fears? You know why it's important that you get over your fear and you don't be run and manipulated by fear of understanding that God wants you to speak up to those people and God wants you to get out of your comfort zone, to speak to your wife or your husband or your mom or your dad? He said, well, I'm afraid that they'll reject me. I'm afraid they won't love me. I'm afraid I will upset them. Maybe we ought to acknowledge that God has not given us a spirit of fear. That did not come from God. Verse 6, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call unto thy God. And so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every man to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell upon Jonah. You know what's neat about that? As here the world... These lost, these false followers of a a false God were crying out for what? Answers. They wanted answers. They wanted to know why is this come upon us? Why is life so hard? Why are we in this mess? And he said unto them, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? And what is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? He said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. What I pulled from this, and I didn't even intentionally, when I was getting into this, pull this fact because of the fact of Man, I was wanting Jonah and conquering his fear. But the thing is, what we do when we're not where we should be affects a lot of other people. I want you guys to know that God has a plan and a purpose for Fellowship Baptist Church. And the people that are here, I pray that we're ministering to you, we're helping you, and we love you because you are here on purpose. But we also have to acknowledge that there's a lot more people in the shadows of Fellowship Baptist Church and the shadow of our steeple that need what we have. They need the hope of Jesus Christ. They're crying out for answers. They're broken. They're at the point of not knowing what to do. And they're looking at you. You can imagine them going up the Joan in this thing saying, wait a minute. What your own testimony is, you serve the living God? You serve the God that made this sea and that sky? You serve the God that made this thunder and lightning? You serve that guy, that God. And you in this situation, you in this thing is running from him. There's a bad thing that happens when your actions don't follow your testimony. When you can brag on God of God being the answers and God being the holy one and God being everything. And yet you're sitting there living another way. Or you're going in another direction. His actions were being led by fear rather than by God's faithfulness. Verse 11, they said unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea May be calm unto us. You know what they wanted? They wanted peace. And they're going to this guy saying, how are we going to get peace? You are the one that should be giving us peace. And yet you're bringing distress into our lives. And he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land. But they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempest against them. Do you know why? They were rowing not against the sea. They were rowing against the power of God. You can run, but you can't hide. You can fight, but you're not going to win. You can stand up and try to do it yourself, but you're going to fall down again. You were meant to be with God's presence, not being running from God. And So many Christians are in this place. It might be the fact that you're running simply because you're sitting in the sanctuary rather than serving in an area. You're running because God's put a burden on your heart to do something. You're not doing it. You're running because you've got a lost loved one that needs to know about Christ, but you're afraid to open your mouth because they're going to look at you differently. I'd rather be labeled as a holy roller than stand before God knowing that I did not tell those that I love about Jesus Christ. This was God. Verse 14, wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. It's amazing how they were at this point more spiritual than Jonah was. They were more good in the vision and the understanding and the power of God than Jonah was. Fear turns us in the other direction. Fear takes us down the wrong path. But I want to close with this, because this is where we need to understand. Fear traps us. So they took up Jonah, and they cast him forth in the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows. Now the, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I, I hope you don't miss this point because of the simple fact that that fish was there at that time because God prepared that fish to get Jonah. Now people come back, and this is where it gets weird. People say, well, I don't believe in a big fish that could swallow a man. I believe in a God that could create anything. He created us. He created the stars and the moon. And you said that, God, that can't happen. Our God is able to do whatever he wants to do because he's our creator. The Bible says that God created, God prepared that fish God will prepare a way to get your attention. God will also prepare a way to get you out of the mess that you're in. But the thing is, you might not like it. You get on the wrong direction and God takes away that job. Said, oh, what happened? And God says, that's what it took for you to get back over here. God takes away that car. God takes away that thing. Or God takes away an ability that you have because you're running in the wrong direction. Because sin will take you further than you want to go. That, that, that agenda that Satan has for your life, God stepped in and says, Jonah, I love you. This is my mercy. This is my love. This is my rescue plan. But I'm telling you that Jonah was stuck. He got to a place where he could not go anywhere. The Bible says that he was in the belly of that fish or the belly of that whale for three days. God spared him. But I tell you, it put him in a place that he did not want to be. It's a miserable place being on your back in a hospital bed when you're laying there and eventually on the third day you're going, you know what, God, you're right. I've been running from you. I haven't been doing what I should have done. I have not been listening to you, God. I've been pushing you away. I've rejected church and God and serving and all those things. Uh, let, let's go back and every week we're going to pick up on this. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, I, I told you we were going to close with this. For God have not given us a spirit of fear. And you said, well, we've gotten that down. Pastor Tony, I get it. I'm fearful of things in my life, and I'm fearful of decisions, and I'm fearful of these things, and God didn't give them to us. Yes. But can we talk about what God has given you? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us power, He's given us love, and He's given us a sound mind. See, the, the, the spirit of power, it's not a... A spirit of fear causes us to run, but a spirit of power causes us to stand. Yes. God gives us the, the, the courage that we need to stand in the midst of hard situation. The power to heal broken relationships. The power to help you with that new job when you're thinking, I don't know if I can handle this. The power to deal with that person that you said, I don't know what to do, I just want to run. And God says, no, you stand and I'll help you deal with it. You know why David brought down Goliath. Because David ran out there with, with our God. And everything that you face in this life, if God's calling you to witness, God will go with you. And there will be a greater power than your words and a greater power than your knowledge that goes with you. You might be in a job right now and you're saying, I can't do it. But if God has you there, God has you there for a reason and God has you there for a purpose. And God might be moving you way another way and I hope he doesn't move you there. But if he does, God has a plan for moving you there and God will go with you. And I love it It doesn't just say that God gives us a spirit of power and and the presence of power. He says, and of love. And this is knowing that God knows best and that God will not leave you. He will help you. He will give you the words. He will give you the courage. There's a passage in the Bible that talks about perfect love. You know what perfect love does? Perfect love casts out Fear. I, um, I give illustrations about my, my, my kids all the time because it makes sense to me about that. And I, I know in what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee, I will trust in God. But it says that there's power, it talks about the love, and it talks about a sound mind. And I, I remember those times, and, and Morgan can testify to this, those times that... I, I, there's been the thunderstorm, they're afraid, or the, 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 the trees are banging up against the house, or noises are happening, and I go in there, and I, I, I say, Morgan, it's okay, and I put my arms around her. I put the presence of power in the presence of her, knowing that dad is with her, but she knows that that's a presence of love, and I promise you, daddy's not going to let me get hurt. Daddy's not going to walk out on me. Daddy's not going to uh, leave me in the middle of this situation, You know what that does to Morgan in a situation like that? It gives her a sound mind. Because you know what I was saying at the beginning? Your mind will mess with you. Your mind will tell you it's not going to work out. You're going to lose the house. The kids are going to hate you. Blah, blah, blah. All these different things. You know what I tell Morgan? I say, Morgan, I promise you it's going to be okay. And She reaches up and she puts her arms around me. Why? Because she knows that I mean what I say. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power. He's given us a sound mind. He's the presence of love in us. There's nothing that God's going to call us to, that he's not going to help us to do it as well. You know why we're doing this? Because a lot of us are living in fear. I so, say, man, I don't know what's going to happen. We say this all the time. I don't know what's going to happen when so-and-so gets elected, or so-and-so gets it, I'm moving out of the country, all this other stuff. My God is in control. Amen. My, the, the, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And I know that I don't have to fear what's before me. When I, when I came to Columbus, Ohio, and I was fearful of, uh, man, we were gonna, what are we going to do? And is this going to work out? I, I, and that fear comes in our mind. And I'm glad that we don't listen to fear. We listen to God. And God has great and mighty things for us when we'll follow our God.